Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Cast Haven. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always is Nathan Gully. And Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. I know that we both had pretty good weekends as well, playing some Legacy, right? Yeah, yeah. Was both that, managed... was... Yeah, we both managed to achieve plateau level value, which yes. is, you know, pretty good. I, I achieved actual plateau level value uh, in, yes. in that I won a plateau. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us uh, about the tournament that you were at? And then I'll talk about mine. Yeah, so um, Geekery had a trial for Eternal Weekend uh, that's taking place in Pittsburgh this year on uh, 1019 to 1022 or something of that variety. Something That is variety. exactly what it is, yep. Yeah. Um, so the uh, winner got two buys and a, uh, a volcanic island. Uh, and uh, so I uh, went with uh, Charles Hageman and we decided to uh, uh, show up for, uh, for some Legacy. And, uh, well, in the first round, uh, I got paired up against Show and Tell, and of course, I, I look at my opener, and my opener is two Gitaxian probes and no lands. And well, what like, was your what was your deck? Oh, I was on blue red Delver. I decided to play uh, something that I felt like could beat Grixis Delver uh, in an open match, and was still okay against Combo, but Combo was just trouncing me. Uh, I I was playing Rug uh, over the week, and. Um, I was testing against uh, Ad Nauseam Tendrils, and the deck was just beating me over and over and over again. So what I had done is basically, like, made my deck worse against both uh, Rug, or sorry, against both Grixis and Ant, and I was just like, screw it, I'm just going to play burn de- a burn deck at this point. Um, <laughs> right. And, and that worked out. Uh, so uh, so in the first round, I look at my hand, it's two Gitaxian probes, some other stuff, no lands, and I'm like, all right, I'll mulligan this, I mulligan to a six with no lands, and I'm like, all right. I guess this is how this tournament is just going to go. So I go to five, and I get very close. I put my opponent to four before he cast Show and Tell, and um, and then I lost um, in that, that game. The next game, I open with another seven with two Gitaxian probes, and I'm like, is the universe telling me to just keep this hand? Let's find out. And the universe was not telling me to keep that hand. <laughs> um in fact, the universe was telling me that if you keep this hand, you will get punished, and you should always mold a five anyhow, because that's just your lot in life. So uh, I did it, uh, I, I did lose that round. So I started the tournament off uh, the pretty lackluster, uh, get beat by uh, Emrakul twice very fast. And with a deck that I feel like has a pretty good matchup against that. Yeah, is... I mean, I should be able to stop that deck from, from winning, uh, especially in the amount of, the, with the clock that I present. The um, burn usually becomes relevant in yeah. the of Ancient Tomb. They're yeah. trying to get the three lands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. so in the next round, uh, I was at 0-1 at this point. I played a, a relatively new Ad Nauseam Tendrils player. And um, in the first re- first game, I, I was able to uh, sneak in, uh, you know, just stopping him from doing his thing and ru- running at him with uh, with Delvers and, and um, uh, Monastery Swift Spears. Uh, in the next game... Uh, he didn't notice that I was at 14 life from Gitaxian probing, and so he uh, 
got up to about Storm 7, which is what he would have needed to kill me, um, ad nauseum for a ton of stuff. It, one of those cards included a uh, uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, and another one was an Infernal Tutor, and I was like, well, I've just lost, I guess. And before I scooped up my cards, I just sat there. I was like, well, let's like make him do this. And uh, he goes down to two, uh, goes for another one with ad nauseum, uh, with, uh, ad nauseum and uh, he goes down to one, and he looks at me, and he goes, I didn't get a ritual. I lost. And I said, right. okay. And then afterwards, I was like, you know, we signed a slip. I was like, I think you had me there. Uh, you just had to, you know, play the Lion's Eye Diamond, crack, uh, you know, cast your uh, Infernal Tutor and, you know, crack the Lion's Eye Diamond, and you would have been able to get uh, tendrils and win. He's like, no, I didn't have enough Storm. And I was like, I was at 14 life. <laughs> and oh. so, yeah. Got there, got there on uh, just not scooping, I suppose. So, uh, anyhow, so we go into the next. Your opponent round. messing up is always an out. Everybody. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's a big out. Um. So in the next round, I play against Black Red Reanimator, which I'm not real thrilled about having to play against this deck. Like to the a point at at uh, at this place, uh, I feel like at the Geekery, I play against Red Black Reanimator to the frequency I used to have to play against uh, Miracles. <laughs> Which may be just because uh, there's it's a cheap deck to build into, um, and people are getting into the format with that. That's a yeah. possibility, or it's just a cheap deck to play. Like you know, just like how uh, Eldrazi was for a while. Like all you saw was Eldrazi decks. Now no one plays Eldrazi. Um, so um, you know the my opponent beats me in two pretty quick games, and he goes, "Well, hey, listen, man, um, I, I'm." Oh, and two, I got paired up against you, so I'll just scoop to you. And I was like, oh my god, how do I keep, how does the, like, world just keep collapsing in on itself for me to win? So, Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, better. Your better opponent's scooping just... is also in a <laughs> So, uh, twice I've had my opponent scoop to me to get me closer to the top eight. Um, in the next round... Uh, I play against another Black Red Reanimator deck, and uh, I'm pretty unhappy about having to see another Black Red Reanimator deck at this point. I'm like, oh man, like he he gets me in the first game by literally just like turn one comboing me and having a Grizzle Brand out, and I'm like, I can't beat that. So in seeing the Grizzle Brand, I sided in uh, several several cards that were against his graveyard, and I was like, well, let's put a Sulfuric Vortex in there too. So you know maybe I'll get there off of that. And so in uh, I beat him the second game. In the third game. He uh, unmasks himself, uh, or he, uh, uh, what's it called? He collected brutalities after I play a turn one Delver uh, to kill the Delver and uh, to uh, take cards out of my hand uh, and put Elishnorn in the graveyard. And then he reanimates Elishnorn because I didn't have a counterspell after he uh, duressed me with his collective brutality. And he goes to himself, Man, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have gained two life and and done two uh, damage to you because the Delver would have died anyways. I was like, ah, probably not. I think you've got this. And, well, what I didn't think is that Elishnorn presents a pretty slow clock against me. And I had a handful of Lightning Bolts, Chain Lightnings, and a Sulfuric Vortex. And uh, it, it was close, but the not gaining the two life actually came back to haunt him. Yeah. Um... So I was able to I was able to get that, uh, and then in round uh, four, or, sorry, round five, I uh, went with Charles, who was also drawing into the top eight, and we had brunch. So this was five rounds. How many players was it? Uh, I think it was like twenty five. 
Okay, cool. So then after that, um, we go to the top eight. I play against a guy playing Grixis Delver. And in the first game, you know, we, we run a race. I, I win the race. Um, in the second game, he does, he draws, I, I get Taxian Probe him, and he's got Land, Land, Stifle, uh, Pyromancer, Wasteland, Wasteland, Wasteland. And I'm like, that is a lot of Wastelands. But you have Basic Islands mm-hmm. in your deck. Yeah, I have Basic Islands and Basic Mountains. So um, I, I had uh, a Brainstorm, several Fetchlands, uh, a Volcanic, and uh, a, a couple Lightning Bolt like spells in my hand. So I was like, I don't think I have to worry at all about what he's doing. I can keep him... I can play the Rug Delver game, but like make him use his Wastelands against me and his Stifle to like kind of tempo him initially. And all yeah. he has in his hands is land. So um, we do that dance. I play, uh, uh, he plays, uh, or he had a Delver. So he played a Delver. I played uh, a Chain Lightning to kill it. And then he Wastelanded my uh, my land. And then the next turn, uh, I play a land and I fetch. And of course, he, he stifles during his upkeep. I did it during his upkeep, so he would be tapped yeah. out. Um, and then he plays another Wasteland and I uh, play a, a fetch. I crack it and I get an island and I'm, I'm like, go. And then the next turn... He plays another wasteland, and I play uh, another fetch, and I go and get a mountain, and I play a pyromancer, and I pass turn, and then I just begin bolting him and pyromancer. He only drew lands for the rest of the game. It was pretty tragic. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. So, but you know that's what you're supposed to do against that deck. Just sort of put pressure on them. Yeah. Sort of invalidate their wastelands and. Yeah. Um, price so, him out. So the yeah. Oh man, I got I, I I did I ended up pricing him for eight in the first game. That felt like amazing. Price of progress is the best card ever. <laughs> uh, I I really wanted to be like, come on down when yeah. when I did the eight eight is so much. Eight's just so much damage. Um. Oh yeah. That's uh, a lot. It's, it's it's faster than a than a true name nemesis apparently. <laughs> no, it's definitely the case. I'm yeah, eating many a price with the true name in play. <laughs> so the next round we go up against. Uh, I go up against Charles Hageman, uh, who is who's been paired against me. Um, I'll explain that in a second because he wasn't actually paired against me. Um, so Charles, uh, Charles and I play uh, our first game and our second game, and we're one and one. He's on Grixis Delver, and in the middle of the third game. The um, other semifinals matches wrap up, and it turns out we're not supposed to be playing each other. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty much lo- I mold to five in this game, and I'm pretty much losing, and I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to force the issue, but I sure would like to play someone else right now, you know, <laughs> like, especially if I'm losing. But they they went and, like, checked and everything, and they were like, well, we got to keep playing. You're already th- uh, two games in. And I was like, okay. And then he, Charles won. Uh, I I got a plateau. Um, there was a D&T mirror uh, that uh, turned into uh, D&T versus Infect. Uh, Infect won that. And then Charles and the uh, Infect player uh, had a moment where they were discussing like whether or not like Charles Charles wanted the Volcanic and not the Tundra, but he also wanted the Buys. And the guy wanted the Volcanic, but not the Buys. So he yeah. offered Charles the Tundra and the Buys. And Charles was like, I'd like to play it out. So they play the first game. The infect player beats Charles, and he's like, "I'll still offer you those, uh, those uh, buys if you want to take the tundra." And he's like, "All right, I'll do it." 
And it turns out Charles will not be able to go to Eternal Weekend because he's got a wedding that weekend. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. But, you know, too bad you can't trade buys. Mm. So anyway, top four, Plateau, not not bad, right? Yeah, can't complain. I mean, I can use that Plateau in uh, in Miracles if I want, like as, a, as you know, uh, not having to switch my Volcanics around, I suppose, or like as, right. a, as a white source that I want to grab occasionally. Cool. Well, so Saturday we had uh, Paragon City Games Monthly win a box for Legacy. And I wasn't really sure I was able to go. Um, usually I'm not because Saturdays are a pretty busy day with the kids. But this, so the stars aligned at the very last minute and I was able to go. So I brought uh, Junk Loam, which is a I – was, I was like I should practice for the Grand Prix, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm just like – exhausted of playing death right as a true name decks right now yeah you know i've been practicing so much and testing it constantly and i'm like and i'm like really the decision i have to make for the grand prix is like red splash or green splash or what and i'm just like you know what I, uh, there's not more there's not more i want to play something fun yeah and i've had this idea of where where you take a regular four color loam deck cut the punishing fire package so that you can play more utility lands and have collective brutality instead of the pun in the punishing fire slot. Mm -hmm. um, it's like good value with loam and lands, um, and like it's main deck discard, which you don't get usually, even though you're playing black. Hmm. So it's like a, it's like an out um, to in certain situations, and you know I just really want to give it a try. I'm like it's win a box, it's informal, let's give it a shot. So we actually had 16 players. Um, and that meant it was two boxes that went up because it's the winner boxes are like we'll seat eight and you win a box. Yeah. But it was it was sixteen, so we actually did get to play for two boxes, which is nice value. That's great for seven bucks. And uh, so three rounds and then a top eight. Uh, my first round was Storm, and I right off the bat I had a really interesting decision. So um, I know he's on Storm. He has no idea what I'm on. You know, he's just like, you know, what it's basically like what Deathrite True Name deck is Nate playing? Haha. -ha. Yeah. Um. But he wins a die roll, and we both mulligan the six. My six was two lands, a Chalice of the Void, a Collective Brutality, I think a Green Sun Zenith, um, and something else. And then I scryed, and my top card was Mox Diamond. I'm like, well, this is awesome. I'm going to get to cast Chalice on one on my first turn. you know. So I guess there's no better game one against Storm, right? Yeah. Um, so he's so here's what happened that really kind of threw me off. So he probes me, sees this hand, then he casts, then he gets some land. I don't know if we got a base Skyland, but I think I got underground sea. I didn't have a wasteland. Um, and he casts preordain, tops both, and passes back. So what? So I've got like a chalice in hand, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he knows I have chalice, and he knows I have collective brutality, and he's basically saying, you know. I can beat that because I didn't move my cards, you know, yeah. whatever is in my hand in the top two of my deck or the top card of my deck. Cause I guess you draw a pure name um, that could beat that. So comes to my turn. I draw Mox Diamond. What would you do in that situation? Uh... So I have Mox Diamond and Collective Brutality. All right. I'm sorry. I have Chalice of the Void, Collective Brutality, Mox Diamond and two lands. So uh, here's what I would have done. Those are the relevant cards. Um, I would have played Collective Brutality to look at his hand Um and then, depending on what I saw in his hand and took, um, I may have decided to throw down a chalice on zero. Um, but there's almost no way I, yes, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have looked for his hand. 
Uh, I think Chalice on yeah. zero is actually better than Chalice on one against against Storm, and that's that's just based off of me playing the deck, playing Eldrazi online, and yeah. finding out that like the way to do it is to put Chalice on zero a lot of times, unless you can do it on two. Two is much yeah. better. Well, you can't do it on two, and also play Life from the Loam and Dark Confidant. So. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, no, that's right, and that's what I did. So I so I I play land, I play a Mox Diamond, discard a land, and I collect a Brutality M. So he then reveals. Ad nauseum, mm-hmm. Infernal Tutor, Cabal Ritual, Lion's Eye Diamond, and a couple lands. Sure. So, That's not even a hand worth, like, I mean, what did he keep on top of his deck? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. So I I made a mistake here. What I should have done was taken Ad nauseum and Chalice Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did was take Infernal Tutor and Chalice Zero. Um, I sort of underestimated thinking at the time was that ad nauseum if he's trying to get it he's gonna need some zeros to like make it work that turn of course um and he has a zero in his hand an infernal tutor like i was like maybe he can infernal tutor for something like you know he can roll another cabal ritual and that could make me you know make my life kind of miserable Mm -hmm. because i don't he was not expecting me to collect a brutality i think he had tunnel vision it was like he's gonna play this this uh this chalice (laughs) on turn one of course um, but I did make, I, I think Adnazi was the right play. So he, uh, so I take that, he goes to his turn. I don't think, he, I may just play a landing pass back. Um, and then on my turn, I draw, uh, Baron Moore, which comes into play tapped, unfortunately. Mm. So I want to say I just shipped it back. I don't think I Zenith for death, right? Which was, you know, like a defensible play because Zenith for death, right? Um, but on the next turn, he had enough to Cabal Ritual and to Ad Nauseum. And then the first card he flipped was Dark Petition. So Oof. he goes to uh, like 14, or unless it's something small, it goes like 13 at that point. Yeah. But the Dark Petition ended up being the card that sort of won him the game. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> because I didn't have Chalice on one. So he managed to like make a land drop, Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Dark Petition, you know. Yeah. And then he just played enough. He, then he just played all the zero artifacts into my Chalice. Um for storm count and just hit me with tendrils. Yeah, so. I mean, dark petition's tough because like you have to assume that he would have just cast dark petition over the ad nauseum, right? Like, if he would eventually have gotten the dark petition, you weren't presenting a clock fast enough anyhow. So I think that was yeah. a game that you might not have been able to win. Um, yeah, and it should be noted the reason I didn't play zenith was that I have Gaddic Teague in my deck. If I if I get to untap, I'm zenithing for Teague mm-hmm. on that next turn. So yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably enough to win from. There, Chalice Zero and the Gaddic Teague is probably enough to win. So yeah, I, gave I think one that's the way you go. But it was a cool, it was a cool uh, decision point, you know, to have. Like, because I was like, "What are you doing? Not bottoming cards? Like, of course, like you have the perfect hand on a Mulligan, yeah. <laughs> you know, like of course, right? So I just, so I just made up for it by like the next game was like turn one Chalice, turn two Thalia, next one was turn one Chalice, turn four Merrillage. <laughs> so yeah, jeez. I think if um, I were to, if I were to like have any choice of deck right now, it, it'd be Ant. Like Ant's so good right now, and and like you basically either their opponent has a way to stop you or you just win. Yeah, and I think like the thing is like I I played Storm for about a month online. I was having fun with it, but I could not sideboard with it to save my life. I could not <laughs> figure out the sideboarding. Yeah, it's a very hard deck to sideboard with. Yeah, like it's easy to play game one. <laughs> Actually, it's really hard to play games two and three. So, um, so okay, one and zero, great. 
Uh, next round was Turbo Depths. Uh, same deal where the guy knows – I know he's playing Turbo Depths and he thinks I'm playing some sort of true name deck. And all I really want to do is like get a knight into play and then have him play a Dark Depths and pass and I get to like knight up my own Thespian stage. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. I just basically like wasteland and ghost quartered him into oblivion in both yeah. games, and uh, and that was that was pretty that was pretty much what happened. I think he might have won a game actually, but like yeah, it was the, the games that I won. It wasn't. It was just like I drove my non basic land hate, which was good. Um, uh, round three, I played against Infect, and this is really where you miss Punishing Fire. This might be the biggest drop off in match percentage, <laughs> um, just because Collective Brutality is so bad against. Uh, Moth Nexus, yeah, um, which I think we talked about last week, and like even taking a Berserk or something out of their hand with it isn't isn't always great. Um, there, you know, he won on turn three in game one uh, with like Invigorate and Become Immense because yeah. I had a chalice. Like I had a chalice for one, you know. It's, I think I made it like a he played a he won the die roll, played a Glistener Elf, and then I played a Chalice for one. But that you know, then he just had Invigorate mm-hmm. and uh, turn too late. Become Immense, yeah, yeah eventually. Um, and then, so I, I was talking to people, and there was a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. So I boarded out all of my chalices, and I boarded out all my dark confidants, and I boarded in. Well, first of all, the build I had had three swords to plowshares in the sideboard. Okay. And I'm like, well, I want these swords to plowshares. I'm going to take out. Ch- and I, I don't really love chalice because he can just have ink moth nexus, invigorate, invigorate, or something like that, you know. Yeah. And that doesn't really matter. Or even blighted agent. Like, I know they've got a lot of ones, but, like, the key spells are not ones, necessarily. Yeah. So, um, so I bored them all out, and I bored all my Dark Confidants. I brought in Thalia and Aether Sworn Cannonist and Golgari Charm. So I felt pretty good, except, like, I just... I had, like, a turn one Thalia, which I thought would have been pretty good, but he, like, seriously went, like, turn one, Forest, Noble Hierarch. Turn two, Noble Hierarch, Blighted Agent. <laughs> And then I just took like five off Blighted Agent because he yeah. played another double arc twice in a row. Like twice Jeez. in a row. And the Thalia just did nothing. Couldn't find anything to like kill it with. So that kind of sucked. Like it was not a great. It really. I think the per- the match percentage with the red with the red deck version of the deck is better. But I don't think Infect is is. Uh, it's not like, really a great matchup for that deck anyhow. Yeah, I mean you can. It, it's not like. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot. Usually, you have a decent amount of removal, but like, not a lot of it really doesn't hit um, Inkmoth Nexus, other than like your actual land removal. <laughs> yeah, um, like wastelands and stuff. So at least you can dredge for that. But you know, Maze of Ith is good. Like I had a Maze of Ith in my deck, but I just didn't draw anything relevant. So I don't know. Anyway, it didn't matter. I was getting the top eight at the fourth seed. Uh, played against Deathblade, which I thought was a pretty good matchup. Uh, game one. It was actually kind of funny. Like, game one, he got a Liliana and a Jace down. I'm like, well, I'm not beating that, so <laughs> let's go to game two. That's a little tough. Uh, and game two, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think I just kind of wasted him out. I think he had, like, a planes in play, nothing else. Um, and uh, then in game three, like, he was about to turn the corner. Like, he got a true name down. But I found a knight that was an 11-11. <laughs> and he had to swords it. And then I managed to find the combo. Yeah. Uh, Gaining eleven life will, will put you in a situation where you can you can have some time. Yeah, you can raise a true name. <laughs> yeah, um, so like like gain eleven and then like gain twenty and then it's like I'm at forty four and I like draw life from the loam, like life from the loam, thespian stage, dark depths. Like yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and then we split the top four, so I ended up with about fifty uh, fifty bucks in uh, store credit, which is plateau value. So yeah, good good weekend for us. Yeah. But, 
now I'm like, I'm going to play this alone deck at the Grand Prix, which I kind of don't know if that's the right choice or not. I was thinking about it. To quote, anyway. To quote Grandmaster Flash, d- 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 don't do it! <laughs> I don't know. It, it's fun. It's like, it's so, like, nothing feels better than having a Mox. It's you know? true, yeah. Then <laughs> like you should just play like, Legacy Affinity, man. Yeah, I don't have any other Affinity cards. So <laughs> I have Mox, Diamond, and, like, like a Seat of the Synod, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so... So anyway, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to leaving for the Grand Prix Wednesday at some point. You know, got to pick up a car and then uh, head down, and we'll see what I register on Thursday morning in a haze. <laughs> I am uh, saving saving my money that I was going to spend on this for getting married slash eventually owning underground seas. Right. That's my that's my stance. Is I can. Uh, if I don't go to this, I can afford like three underground seas and gain actual value uh, <laughs> over over the course of time, as opposed to just like probably just throwing a bunch of money down the drain to look at what Las Vegas looks like in the middle of the night and wonder like where who wants to hang out. Las Vegas is pretty sweet, but it is kind of awkward. Like the the tournaments are not cheap, like the side events and stuff. Yeah, and. Uh, like there's you could just play like a poker tournament that has way better like expected value. Yeah, that's true. It's than true. some of these like side events. And you might be better than most of the people in the poker room uh than uh if you take my apparent skill level to the apparent skill level of other legacy players. Yeah. Uh or mine. I'm I'm at least I'm at least as good as any normal person walking into the uh, 2/4 limit table at a at a casino. <laughs> that's cuz you grew up Half an hour from Atlantic City. Well, that does help. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we move on, do you want to do our top eight update? Yeah. So uh, so uh, let's see what the top eight is right now. If we had uh, if we had collected one hundred dollars this week for our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles, you can uh, find us there and uh, add add to that uh, slowly increasing pile. Um, What would have been the top eight? Uh, that we talked about this week. Uh, we're going to do one uh, episode per deck once we get to that $100 mark. Yes, so we have Grixis Delver as number one no and surprise. Miracles as number two. Miracles <laughs> is number two now. It's come up from number three to number two. It replaced Ad Nauseam Tendrils. Yeah, uh, which is now number three. Number now three. we'll see. I mean, Goldfish is pretty heavy on, on Magic Online. It's true. And that's a pretty heavy on Magic Online deck, but we'll see if it shows up at the Grand Prix. I I can't wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, number three being Ad Nauseam Tendrils. Number four, Bug Delver. Uh, number five, Reanimator. Um, I'm going to take a quick look at this. I'm pretty sure it's the black red version. And it yeah, they're pretty much the black red version is sort of the Reanimator of choice right now. Yep. Uh, six is Elves. Surprising because uh, I haven't seen Elves anywhere for a while. Not since it beat me in in that uh, feature match. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, I there's an L's player locally, so I see it every week yeah. at least at the table. But then there's a four-way tie for seventh, and uh, I guess when we get to this point, we'll roll a dice or something and figure out which one we'll do. Yeah. But sneak and show, death and taxes, Esper, Deathblade, and four-color control or uh, check pile. I guess what you would call that. Yeah. Uh, um, or we can just do one episode with all four of them. <laughs> that's that's probably what we'll do. Yeah. Yeah, that would get us. That would technically work. So, and then what's this eighth place deck, Grixis? What is that? Um, 
This is like a Grixis control deck. This yeah. is probably close to what I would play. Yeah. Oh no, not this particular one. A non but, a non Delver Grixis deck. It looks like. Yeah, this is what I sort of what I played at the uh, at the Grand Prix trial that I went to. Just like a more like. See, my my thing about the Grand Prix is I don't want to pl- take an eighteen land deck to the Grand Prix. You know. Yeah. Um. I, I, I know Delver is a good deck. And I know how it works and everything. But like, I'm just so antsy about that. Like, I want to bring twenty lands. Um, in my deck, I just want to have twenty lands in my deck. <laughs> I was playing sixteen, um, man. Sixteen felt good when you're running basics. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> you're, and you're not even running wastelands. You actually get more actual lands. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have like a Delver like, deck with four wastelands. I'm and, always yeah. going to pitch a land, a deck, sorry, a hand that doesn't have a mana source in it. That's not a wasteland. So playing sixteen lands is actually more lands technically, uh, as far as yeah. mulliganing is concerned. Than the regular lever deck, yeah. But I like these. I like these Grixis decks. You, you know, it's basically just try and get the value back that you get um, from not playing the tempo deck by just having like Baleful Strix draws you a card, Snapcaster. Uh, this particular build has Young Pyromancer and Gurmag Angler, um, and you get Coldagon's Command. So, mm-hmm. you know, the decks are fine. Um, these Grixis decks, and I, I I enjoy playing them. So it's probably going to be what I play unless I really really want to play Leovold. I'm not playing a four color deck. I did that at Louisville. It felt miserable. So I'm doing no four color, no 18 lands. That's my, those are my two rules. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die because I played poorly, not because I didn't draw the right colors, you know? Yeah. That's just how I got to do it. So anyway. I like um, to have myself to blame definitively when I go to a Grand Prix and lose. Well, that's the thing. That's what's because I felt I was so, I was so tilted by like, the fourth round of Louisville when I was just like, my deck isn't doing anything. Like I can't, I can't put it together, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was even, I felt even worse when I saw that, like this was, you know, the proto check pile, you know, a couple people had made top 32 and it was like a mini breakout deck other than Reed Dukes. I'm like, Oh, come on, man. Yep. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, this, this one has a, is that static caster? Maybe I'll do that. That sounds like fun. Um, so, we're about to embark not just on a big Grand Prix, but it's announced. It's a big announcement week, right? Yeah. Um, there was an announcement today. It's Monday, uh, June twelfth, when we're recording this. And do you want to tell everyone what was in that announcement from yeah. Mark Rosewater? So to uh, to quote uh, our our article on Hipsters of the Coast, we're we're sponsored by Hipsters of the Coast. Uh, to to uh, quickly pull off of what Rich said about about this. Um, uh, so there were five different, uh, things that, uh, Mark Rosewater outlined as changes, uh, fall, winter, and spring expansions will be, uh, large sets drafted on their own. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have a real reaction to that aside from that. They didn't say, uh, summer in that. Uh, so the summer expansion will be a revamped corset, which is good. I think one of the things we were missing is a corset. And I also agree with like the concept of like just being overloaded with product, uh, and not really, f- and not really caring anymore. Once like you get that like saturation level that that like is too much for you as a player, so this might uh, allow us older players to like have a set that we don't have to buy anything for, and then move into playing standard again. I don't dislike standard as a concept. I just dislike standard as it is right now. Yeah, I think so. Just talking about these first two, these are, these are the big ones. So there's going to be four expansions. There are four sets a year, or four standard sets a year, which is normal, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I do think so. The summer expansion will be revamped core set, which they said will be half reprints, half new cards. Mm-hmm. And I think that means we are going to get more new cards on net because instead of having big, small, big, small, we're going to have four bigs, and one of them is going to be only half new cards. But I think that still makes more new cards every year. Yeah, um, which I think is good. I, well, I think it's good for legacy in that there's more chances for something to squeeze to squeeze through. You know. Yeah. Um, they've got to think of half a set more and, you know, maybe that's the half, maybe that's the half a set that, that is good for legacy. So, um, I gotta say, like, I'm, I'm not going to complain about any of this stuff except to say that it was a little crazy to just be like, we're done with blocks. You know, yeah. I remember, it's, as I remember, it's like, a stretch blocks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember the first block. So like, I remember like Mirage, I was yeah. like, it's going to be this block. I, you know? we, we were joking about, uh, about that on the site about, uh, about how like, one of the announcements is going to be like they're actually coming up with a third uh ice age set but i always thought it was funny that like mirage and visions felt like a set and then weatherlight was like actually we can tell a story now like they yeah. they like had these two sets together and then they were like uh we we've got another idea for how magic should be and that's kind of the beginning of magic as a story and not magic as it's like a card game that felt sort of somewhat random at times uh, where you were just taking these, like, you know, uh, to to put it in Star Wars terms, like, planet level, like, your planet is a climate kind of thing. You go to, like, yeah. you know, Arabian Nights world, and then you go to, like, uh, Mirage, which felt like Africa world. And then, you know, like, so yeah. it, it, it's it'll be interesting for me to, to see them uh, try and pull that off with the fall, winter, and spring expansions to have, like, a full... You know, uh, I, I, like a thesis, yeah. like a, a thesis of a set all built in one thing. So I, I'm excited to see that. I, I, I've been sort of sick of what they've been doing as far as the two block thing since this, pretty much since they started it. And then when they didn't even do what they were doing with it, I thought that there was a problem there anyhow. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And hopefully they get some good writers uh, together for, <laughs> for that, because I'd like to see a story that's not that's not terrible, but isn't also overly cheesy. And I feel like. Magic's missed that probably since Ice Age, since, like, the Brothers War. Yeah. I mean, I missed a lot of that in the middle. I, I, I think everything you said is, is right. Like, I, I think that, you know, it would be interesting to see how the flavor works with this stuff. They did say that they're not, like, tied to, like, one world per expansion yeah. and that they could stay on a world for all the whole year for two blocks. I mean, we'll see. Like, yeah. the story doesn't isn't always, like, um, central, but I just remember, like, you know, if you started to play in 94, 95, and you were a kid, and you couldn't just buy all the old cards, um, like, you know, you had, like, some Fallen Empires cards, and some Revised cards, and some 4th Edition, everything kind of looked different, and then mm-hmm. they, the blocks came along, and everything started to look a lot cleaner, and you had it from the start, you know? It's very samey, too. Like, the art looks so polished that you can't, like, distinguish it from, from each other, I yeah. feel like. Um, you know, yeah, the the Innistrad stuff is darker, and the Eldrazi <laughs> stuff looks like digital art, I guess. Uh, it's just, it, it, you know, when when someone says, like, a card from Standard to me, and they're like, hey, do you know if you have any of these in your box or whatever? I'm like, I don't even know what set that's from, because I can't think of the way the card <laughs> looks, and be like, yeah, that's from this set, I do have that, you know? Like, so, uh, vi- visualization is, is a big as a big part of the magic experience for me and not being able to visualize stuff is, is a pretty big deal. Yeah. 
Um, so the third one is that the gate watch is getting uh, their, their spotlight diminished, which I think is a very good thing as far as what I was saying before with story. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care, but I do get kind of sick of seeing Jason every picture or whatever, Liliana in every picture on yeah. every card, you know? I mean, I like, like I like those characters for their mechanics. I don't think they're very dynamic or, or worthwhile characters as far as, like, story is concerned. Uh, yeah. I just know that if I see Jace on something, I'm probably going to want to play it. If I see Liliana on something, that might be interesting for a, a like a, a, a more uh, attrition build. You know, like I generally put those characters in the minds of like what their, uh, you know, what their uh, abilities generally end up being. Um, but I would love to see the the like uh, other things happen aside from just the Gase, the Jace Gideon Liliana <laughs> show. You know. Yep. Nope. And I want new planeswalkers with new personalities because I think that gives me more abilities. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, masterpieces will show up in fewer expansions. I don't know if I care. Um, it does change a little bit uh, of of like ha- the value of opening packs changes in that uh, the spike is is lower overall. Like uh, the the value is higher though. Yeah, I don't really like any of the masterpieces. I'm not like a big collector of that kind of card, you know. So this mm-hmm. is sort of neutral for me. Yeah, um, I mean, it's the, just it's less reprints for Eternal, but whatever. Like, you know, one of the things it means for me is that if I win a bunch of packs playing at, at a local that doesn't have singles, and they're like, "Here's some packs," or yeah. I can't win packs that week for some, or I can't win you know singles that week or store credit or whatever. When I open a pack there is a legit possibility that I can open up a 20 to $40 card um, uh, in that pack that's a rare or mythic in that set as opposed to all... Well, the masterpieces exist, so every the, the highest potential for a card is $15, and that's a one-of in this set, and everything else is between 2 and $5. Yeah. So it does, it does make a bit of an impact financially, and I think that... Uh, Wizards probably noticed that they didn't expect that it to work that way initially, and now that it is, they're they're sliding slightly away from that because there's an expected value in a box. When you open up a box, the uh, total the total uh, expected value for the um, rares in that box has to come out equivalent to about uh, what a box costs. So yeah, uh, they want to make sure that uh, they're they're giving their uh, their fans something that they can bite into uh, when they're buying packs. And I think less packs have been opened because masterpieces exist. If that makes any sense to anybody, if it doesn't uh, at Dirtle Magus uh, on, on Twitter, and I'll explain it to you step-by-step step, uh, I'd love to have a financial discussion with somebody about it. All right. All right. Well, I'm getting a nosebleed. So <laughs> uh, what's number five here? Uh, number five is there are more R and D behind the scenes changes. And this is manifesting in the, this play design team. Yeah. Again, I don't think this is real. They're not gonna. They're not gonna play test legacy. So whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know what really happened. One thing that Morrow said in his article was it's been a rough year for Standard. Yeah. And he's saying that much. It's been a miserable couple years for Standard. Like, um, you know, we had that win a box the other night. The same day as a Standard showdown. And there were four people for standard and sixteen for legacy. That's right? crazy, right? Because like you know, at the height of when we were hanging out at at Twenty Side Store, uh, you know, when we first met, you know, uh, I was playing yeah. in standard events that were outpacing both modern and legacy initially. That was four years ago. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't run a modern event without telling everybody beforehand, hey, we're going to run modern 
on such and such date, make sure you show up with your modern deck, you know? And now, like, it's just expected that no one's going to show up for your standard event, like, at all. Like, game days are generally not well, uh, well received. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's interesting to me that one, that they, that they're even acknowledging this problem and not just trying to force it down our throats because that's what they've been doing for the last two years. So I'm I'm surprised and happy to see that they're changing their policy. Um, yeah. The one thing I will say though, is like, this is the, this is, I mean, it's a little, it sounds a little melodramatic, but I don't, I don't really mean it to be, but just saying like this, as that was sort of happening, this is like the closest I felt to being like, wow, the game could actually be in trouble. Like, you know pull the plug level trouble yeah i mean i think 25 years is a long time it'll take (laughs) some time lots of pressure it'll take some time but i think i think the game uh standard will bounce back and it'll be a format that um even some of us legacy players will will be interested in playing if if they stick to these things and this this more behind the scenes r&d changes means that they're actually going to test you know the format uh, in a situation where it doesn't just get solved in 20 seconds, like nobody wants to play a boring, a boring solved format. Even the pros don't want to play a boring solved format. They're more interested in, you know, innovating. And so once they've done that innovation, once they've done the thing that makes the format broken, then they're done. It, it's solved. It's not fun anymore. Well, I think the thing is too, like you know, if, you know, we need le- if we want legacy to keep going we just still need magic to keep going yeah very you know, much, standard yeah. And, and draft are important for keeping stores open um that can then you know have the time to host legacy events um you know if legacy players are buying cards at a slower pace like it's not you know so that was what i was thinking and i mean i, I kind of wish they had said more about or that market said more about design strategy and what they want to do with the game because i don't necessarily think it's all just because of how the format of the game has been i think they've made design decisions that have backfired right? yeah i mean there have been um, relatively I mean, this vampiric is, this is I mean, this truthfully is you know look at energy yeah it's, right it's I mean, very exactly. vampiric you know vampiric yeah you so can... it's like go on i was saying yeah um it's there's empirical evidence because they're doing this that, that what they were trying to do for the past two to four years really was not it was not working yeah so i was hoping to see more like we're gonna tr- you know do more you know, different stuff. We're going to try some different things out in standard and see if we can get that to work um, or in standard sets. And that might impact uh, eternal formats by, you know, giving you some more synergy um, with older cards. Um, but one of my fears is, is um, the echo chamber of R and D uh, is such that um, when you perceive something to be a problem, you talk about it a lot in R and D and you tend to make decisions based on that. And then that becomes sort of a narrative. And one of the narratives that had been a problem for a very long time is people weren't playing with the new cards. They were sticking to their old strategies and then throwing in, you know, smattering of new, of the new cards as they, as those cards fit into decks. Right. Yeah. And so the, I think the narrative at R and D for a long time was that narrative is that like, People aren't playing with the new cards. How do we get them to do that? And and they saw they did solve that problem. Like now, if you want to play standard, you have to buy all the new cards. Unfortunately, like that in a six set standard, that means that the the last four sets are worthless. Like if you look at any of the Aetherworks Marvel decks, that that's a card that will likely be banned uh, tomorrow. Uh, the Aetherworks Marvel decks uh, all have. The same, you know, like the same cards from the same sets, like all this, all these energy cards, 
they're all from the last two sets. So people are, are definitely playing the new cards now, but the problem is they're not playing the old cards, and because of that, they're not actually playing standard that much um, because they've seen that their old cards lose value almost immediately. Did you know that Fatal Push and is a more expensive card than Etherworks Marvel? $8, right? Uh, uh, Fatal Push is now $9. $9. It is a $9 uncommon, and the, like, because you can play it in Legacy yeah. and Modern, you know? And people yeah. are playing Legacy and Modern more than they're playing Standard, I don't... Yeah, uh, there's Works Marvel a is a reason mythic. for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Works Marvel is a, <laughs> is a mythic in, in the last set, and uh, it's it's funny to me that, like, you could take something like a one-mana kill spell and that's eternally playable... And that should have probably been printed at common, but they won't do that because of drafting. Uh, and, and they're like, "Well, this card's now nine dollars because like you can't uh, you you might be guaranteed to open one in a in a box, two in a box, three in a box maybe, but like that's the card people are paying a hundred dollars to open a box for." Yeah, it's the chase card of Ether Volt. Yeah, <laughs> maybe hard of Kieran, but like, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, the point of that is just to say, like, you know. I think we're seeing what's – I mean, Modern is, is just going crazy, especially for Star City, right? They're just getting crazy event, uh, event attendance for it. Yeah. Um, and even Legacy, I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's a little, you know, subjective or whatever. Uh, but locally, like, there's just way more interest in Legacy. <laughs> yeah. And people want to play Legacy. And that's – you know, Fatal Push is an important card for that. And it's just it's just so funny, like, that these, that these cards are separate or so they're the same price. And one's like – you know, it, a mythic, a four of mythic in the best deck by far in standard is seven bucks. You know, and, and part like, of that might be because it's probably going to be banned tomorrow. I it mean, maybe down spiked. because of that. Yeah, well, it spiked at like ten. I mean, yeah. think about these chase mythics of the past, like Bonfire of the Damned. Like yeah. this is indication that things are not going yeah. standards way, right? For sure. Um, how much is a Heart of Kieran? Heart of Kieran's fourteen. Yeah, and that's it's not even that's a mythic. That's a mythic in the same set as Fatal Push, and yeah. dies the Fatal Push, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it, I I noticed that on Sunday like, when I played in the standard event, it dies to Fatal Push often. Yeah, um, but just to say, like you know, it's you, you never would have seen that a while ago, and you know, like a chase mythic like that would be would have been way more expensive than an uncommon removal spell yeah. that is okay in standard. You know. Yep. Um, so there is, you, you hinted at this, but there are some more announcements coming up this week, right? There are some more announcements coming up this week. So on, uh, Tuesday we'll have the Ben restricted announcement, right? Uh, oh, uh, announcement up to yes, Wednesday, uh, actually. No. So, uh, tomorrow there'll be two magic digital uh, announcements, right? No, no. Tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow's magic digital announcement and the band restricted announcement. That was supposed to be Wednesday, but they're moving it up a day. I see. Yes. Okay. So yeah, they're moving the band restricted list up to tomorrow and uh magic digital online offering is tomorrow too because on wednesday they are focusing on what the announcements of products just new like what pro- products are new out. stuff okay so like you know what what this what the uh you know modern masters set will be next year legacy eternal masters iconic or whatever masters, yeah. iconic masters jeez <laughs> um you know, uh, and and then they're making some relatively small organized play announcement on Thursday. That's on, which is also the first day of the Grand Prix. Yep. Uh, and, and then, then Friday, uh, that. what do we got? Uh, Friday will be our devastation spoilers. Um, 
what if they're... So we want to make some predictions. Let's just some rapid-fire predictions and wrap it up here. So, yeah. So let's say Thursday is the, the relatively small organized play prediction is actually not relatively small because it says relatively in in uh, uh, parentheses. I'm just, you know, like <laughs> pretending like that ma- pretending It like says that we've matters. got a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, we've got a really cool thing set up for 2018 that players have requested for a long time. Okay, so I'm gonna go out on limb, and this isn't what I want it to be, but I think it's I think it's uh, Frontier. That's a good guess. I have I have no idea. I was like I was thinking Commander Grand Prix, <laughs> which I know I think I think both of our predictions are are bigger than relatively small. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was thinking some sort of competitive commander event. Um, so but, the, you know, my we'll other my other guess I've got I've got like a list of like ten guesses and and. My other yeah. guess uh, for for this thing is they're going to offer us Eternal as a format and uh, basically remove the reserve list from Legacy and be like, hey, you can play a gateway to Legacy uh, called Eternal, and that, that'll be a thing. Uh, we've talked about that on the show before. Uh, it's unlikely, but it, it would be cooler than Frontier. Yeah, I, I just players have requested for a long time is the thing that I can't really think of because magic players ask both ask for and hate everything that's suggested yeah yeah um (laughs) so so i guess what the other thing could be is um a return to elo oh yeah that is something that people may have requested for a long time um what else have people requested for a long time uh uh, i don't know like that's related to organized play it's related to organized play uh yeah, like bringing back the um, uh, what's it called the uh, the physical rewards for uh, uh, being involved with uh, the DCI, like the cryptic command and the you know yeah, the full art that's promos. A that's that a could good be one. <laughs> that could be a thing. People uh, people have been asking that for forever because uh, of right now your your points don't really matter that much, um, and keeping track of them doesn't matter that much, and probably nobody's doing that aside from people who are like, oh, am I close? I guess I could go to a Grand Prix and have a buy. Um, then after that, like, what do we got? Uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else. So those are my those are my three predictions: uh, Frontier, Eternal, and uh, bringing back uh, the promos to send to people that are involved with the DCI. Yeah, I, I I can't I don't I don't know what people want. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's um, obvious. Wizards wanna... doesn't know what people want either. We've we've yeah. established that they they have established that. So um, I'm interesting about what this digital announcement will be tomorrow. So um, I think I, it's going to be a Mac client. That would be pretty sweet for uh, for you and maybe for me because yeah. uh, I'm sick yeah. of playing on Parallels or whatever the heck the other <laughs> side of my Mac has become. Uh, I'd I'd very much like to just be able to be on my computer, mess around with the things I know on my Mac, and be like, oh, yeah, and then I'll play some Magic Online. Um, that would be cool. It's 2017, guys. Get it together. <laughs> a Mac client for for Magic Online is not that crazy. It's a terrible program. It should be on the Mac. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything's getting banned or restricted any format we care about. <laughs> I, I agree. And then the formats we don't care about, um, you know, as in like modern and uh, standard. standard. I, I do care about those formats a little bit just because I'm like, well, I got to play Magic somehow and there's not a lot of legacy to be offered to me um, in those yeah. formats. I think um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say modern street wraith gets banned tomorrow. 
I think I just can't imagine they're gonna make you play a modern tournament with an old format. There's like twenty, there's like twenty two hundred people registered for that tournament. I mean, you know, I guess never say never, <laughs> but uh, I can't, be, I can't imagine they would do that. But you're right. I mean, Street Wraith is a candidate to be banned. Street Wraith uh, um, had uh, the at the latest Star City Open, uh, twenty copies in the uh, in the top eight, and it's not getting any what lower. A world. Not any lower. Twenty <laughs> copies. There were sixteen copies of Death Shadow. That means that Living In played four copies as well. Yeah, Living In plays four copies of it. Um, I mean, maybe there could be something. They could do something to vintage. You know, they could decide to finally get rid of Mental Misstep or something. Um, they could un like maybe an unban or unrestriction that unban Jace. Like, well, that's the thing. Like I was thinking, they could like unban Mind Twist. Like that's like they could do that as sort of like a. All right, you got we are giving you a pack mind twist, but it was not really going to matter. Yeah. Um, but it's not like you're going to, you know, all these decks in that are playing on Wednesday or on on Thursday and Friday are going to be invalidated by mind twist being unbanned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't see anything happening. Maybe they're banning something in standard again, which would be, it would explain why they made such a big deal about today, and then want to drop in the banner restricted announcement, and then want to go to their like big announcement day. Yeah. Because they just want to like wash their hands of this horrible standard they've created. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I would be shocked. I would really be shocked if there was anything in modern or legacy that was affected just because there's a grand prix for both those tournaments, and you just tank the viewership if you make it a lame duck format. Um, mm-hmm. And possibility for vintage. Literally, were just two restrictions in vintage. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll talk to you again after the Grand Prix. Yeah, good luck, man. Well, I mean, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you during the Grand Prix. <laughs> this is also true. Yeah. I will probably be getting getting uh, live messaging from you during the Grand Prix because I need yeah. something to happen for me on Thursday afternoon. All right, so I think that's it for us tonight. Um, all right, and looks like Nate has has died over on his end, so I'm just gonna sign off for us. Uh, have a good night, guys. Uh, and remember, check us out at Patreon at EternalDurtles or Patreon.com/slash EternalDurtles. Thanks. Stop! Stop! Animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop! Stop! Animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Where does he get those wonderful toys?